We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. Joining me, as always, Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee. I keep forgetting to do the bit. Damn it. I need to write a bunch of these down. Um, I'm going to do a joke every time instead of instead of just saying of the Sacramento Bee. I want to do a joke because I think that would be fun. Yeah, so, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. Yeah, maybe someday. Just working our way up. Yeah. You know, maybe maybe someday we'll we'll work on it. Um, but first, before we get into some 49ers stuff, a Jags 49ers preview. Oh my god. I just totally spaced. I just started thinking about Steve Wilkes being on the field <laughs> and not about lamb chops. I'm literally wearing a lamb chops hoodie right now we're sponsored by lamb chops sglambchops.com that's the website that's also where you can follow them on instagram they got a reel up right now that's showing off their new winter line they have this like black letterman jacket looking thing that i need i'm gonna need that we love a bomber jacket it's so bomber jacket um i don't think they're underrated i think bomber jackets are pretty properly rated in american attire culture however you want to say it Um, i totally agree it looks so sick I'm I'm always in on on a good bomber jacket and a hoodie under bomber is a a plus look. Yeah, we uh, big fans big fans of that look over here. Use promo code Candlestick twenty today to get twenty percent off of your order. Well, really any day, Candlestick twenty is the promo code. Get twenty percent off at sglambchops.com. Comfortable clothing, high quality clothing, dope clothing. Yeah, that's it. you know what they say. It's what's the most important thing with clothing? Looking dope looking sglamchops.com we're also sponsored by cooper's brewing it is our favorite beer candlestick chronicles hazy ipa you can get that at cooper's brewing you can order a case of it at cooper'sbrewing.com they will send it right to your door if you are 21 and over and in the state of california and i have a bunch of it in my fridge right now i might drink one after the show if you're in the i'm pill- not going to run down and get one the same way you did because my Beer is downstairs and in the garage. Oh, we get it. You live in a multi-story home. Congrats. No big deal. Um, yeah, if you go to cooperagebrewing.com, you can get a dollar dollar pills, y'all. It's a pilsner, a hoppy pilsner, 5.2%. Uh, I have had it. It's excellent. Um, Shatter Shield Oatmeal Stout, if that's more of your jam. Sure. Um, and then you can always get their amazing pale ales or IPAs. The, you're going to get wet, hazy pale ale. Um, mm-hmm. If you've been to Windsor Waterworks way back in the day, you know what the deal is with that. Candlestick Chronicles, of course, is available. McCurdy Cove, which is served um, at uh, Oracle Park in San Francisco from time to time. Um, so shout out to our friends at Cooperage. Uh, Steph Curdy Pale Ale for all you Warriors fans. Um, that's also a very good one. Pale Ale with Simcoe and Citra, 5.8% ABV. Uh, order it from their website. You know what? Why don't you go? Delivered. Why don't you go hops and ABV anywhere. on all those beers? Just roll through them. No thanks. That's not good, <laughs> that's not good pod content. <laughs> go to cooperage.com uh, if you're curious, though. It is uh, <laughs> cooperagebrewing.com. Hey, you can go see the structure there. Yeah, you can go see the structure there. We're not going to bore you guys with it in, in this ad read, but uh, yeah, check it out. Cooperagebrewing.com. Go to the brewery in Santa Rosa. Order some beer if you're 21 or up in uh, California. All right, let's get into this Niners Jacks preview. 
Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. The bye week felt like it was 36 weeks long. <laughs> I feel like the 49ers haven't played in, what would that be, nine months. It's been yeah, such when, a long time. When you're in your position, and I've been in your position before, where you're you're writing as much as you do about the team and generating as much content as you do about the team, it can get pretty stale when they go 14 days between games. But It's so brutal, dude. <laughs> I even have trouble, like, frankly like on the pod it's like sometimes when like during the buy it's like all right how are we going to talk about steve wilkes today <laughs> how are we going to talk about <laughs> the the pass rush needing to be better and the coverage need, needing to be better uh you know and how are we going to talk about brock purdy being slightly underrated to underperforming to whatever you know it's it's like i was so of- excited i was so excited during this whole process to not have to have Brock Purdy interception discourse. Mm. It was so nice. And then today on the radio, I was talking with James Ham, my co-host on the insiders on ESPN 1320, uh, 10 to noon, Monday through Friday. And I brought up Trent Williams and the importance of Trent Williams. <laughs> and somehow that circled around my point circled around to, and when the 49ers can't run the ball, it forces Brock Purdy to throw it. And that's when they run into the interception problems. It's like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, was trying to do something else. It's yeah. We live in we live in the society uh, where you, we we're do. like evaluating quarterback legacies in real time, right? Like, is this guy is this guy elite? Is he great? Should do we I, even talk about him like he's a good quarterback? Or you know, it's like everything is instantaneous. It's wild. I I I have. I'm, let's see. I'm going to try and do this without names. I have a friend who, who well, I have a person that I know, who. So you're not friends with. Well, I wouldn't like. I don't. I don't like know. I know them via this. Sure. And he does a podcast about a non 49ers team, and he wrote a piece about Brock Purdy for a website, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. A different perspective on on Brock from somebody who's not watching him week in and week out. This might be interesting. And it, the the gist was basically as as. Brock Purdy's magic run out has been was was kind of and I'm like oh okay this is kind of interesting I I'm I, I want to dive into this and it was a lot of words to more or less say well he's thrown five interceptions in three games ergo <laughs> and just general statements about the pockets not clean anymore and he's struggling because the pockets not clean it was a weird it was very strange and not informative it's a bummer. Yeah, I mean, if you believe the last three weeks, you would say, man, maybe the 49ers need to look at finding a new quarterback. Uh, But if you only think about the first five weeks of the season, you're like, man, Brock Purdy may be an MVP candidate. Turns out seasons are long and a lot of different things can happen. And the best way to evaluate quarterbacks or teams is to see what happens over the full breadth of a season. Mm-hmm. And not just like react to saying, you know, Brock Purdy's lost three games in a row. He's trash now. Whereas like you're completely ignoring the, the the rest of what happened, which at the time, while the five game winning streak was happening, it mm-hmm. seemed like what Brock Purdy was doing is really impressive. And as somebody like Matt Mayoko always says this and um, and it's it's definitely like an NFL cliche. But like, you wouldn't trade Brock Purdy very... for Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I, I don't know if he always says that. That would be a funny thing to always say. Like, hey, Matt, how's it going? You know, Chiefs would not trade Patrick Mahomes for Brock Purdy or Brock Purdy for Patrick Mahomes. Um, no, like it's it's never as bad as it seems and it's never as good as it seems. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it, like it'll it, the NFL has a way of of like evening out. And it's just mm-hmm. sort of how the league is. There's so much parody sort of built into the league that the teams that maintain the like you really have to earn it to be elite in the NFL. Like the Chiefs, yeah, five right. straight five straight title games, 
few Super Bowl appearances, right? Like you really mm-hmm. have to earn that. There's no there's no backing into it. But you, any NFL team can win, you know, four or six. Like even bad yeah. ones can sometimes just get hot and win four or six games. The 2017 49ers won five in a row. Right. They started 0-9 and won five in a row. Well, one and nine, but yeah. One and nine, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Eight. Right. So, so... Is that right? Oh, and eight and one. I'm going to fix that. I'm, they were, well, because they were, they finished. We have the technology, so <laughs> uh, let's utilize it here. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, they were 0 and nine. First win, they were one and nine against the, uh, against the Giants. That's right. Okay. Very good. I'm glad we solved that. <laughs> we have the technology. No. So uh, here's the thing is, is with the 49ers coming out of the bye, I'm not even necessarily worried about what the offense looks like. Honestly, I'm not that worried about Brock Purdy. Did he throw a couple of bad interceptions? A hundred percent. And is that part of the reason that they lost three games in a row? Yeah, for sure. But if they don't get right defensively, it's not going to matter what Brock Purdy or the run game looks like. If they're going to give up long scoring drives or just scoring drives in general at the rate they were giving them up the last couple of games if they can't get a stop against PJ Walker and the Browns in a, in a big spot in that game, it's not going to matter what the offense looks like. So that's the big, that's kind of the big thing for me coming out of the bye that I'm looking at is I don't, I don't think the 49ers are going to have problems generating offense. It's whether they can get stops on defense. That's, that's my big question mark. At some point, and I agree with everything you said. Like, I'm more, I'm more concerned about the defense because of what the standard has been for so long, and the fact that we would argue this is probably the most talented defense they've had during mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan's run, and it's just been like, frankly, not very good the last three weeks. But at some point, too, like the Niners are going to have to win a game where they're down by eight points in the fourth quarter, and that's, that's like yes. And so, and that is, that is on the offense, right? Like obviously the defense, maybe not playing up to standard could be a reason why you're trailing in the fourth quarter, but for the 49ers to be a team that we confidently say is a Super Bowl contender, they're going to have to start winning games coming from behind just at some point, like being 0 and 38 when down eight points or more going into the fourth quarter, whatever it is under Kyle Shannon, that's a stat, right? 0 and 38. Mm-hmm. Yeah, down by eight or more in the fourth. Yeah. Yes. Like, there's just no way that they're going to win a Super Bowl and never be able to come back from a fourth quarter deficit like that. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. And that's just kind of, I think, indicative of where their offense has been and how just run centric it's been and how disjointed it can get when they have to go pass first. Yeah. You think about it like, as balanced as the 49ers are every NFL team wants to be really balanced, right? They want to have Mm -hmm. a good offense and they want to have a good defense, but the 49ers are so reliant on their defense and being balanced that they've never proven they can win when like win consistently, particularly in big games when the defense stalls out a little bit and the offense has to pick up the slack late. Mm -hmm. Right. So I think that's one of the things as we go, and, and that might be probably the most alarming part about this Brock Purdy thing is like it's never been good when the 49ers are playing from behind. Right. Obviously, Owen 38 speaks right. to that. But it's it's been like pretty bad the last couple of weeks, or at least before the bye when Brock Purdy was in those spots. And so, <laughs> like, I don't know that you necessarily judge Brock Purdy solely on. I mean, you don't judge Brock, Brock Purdy based solely on how he plays from behind. But you never worry about Patrick Mahomes in those scenarios, right? Like you if you're a Chiefs fan and you go down by a score or you're down by double digits in the fourth quarter, you're not super worried because you do have Patrick Mahomes. It was like Steph Curry in 2016 where you're like, yeah, worries could be down 8 going in the fourth. But Steph's probably going to score 18 points here in the quarter, and they were like, ba- down eight was basically tied. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so, I, I like speaking about balance and how balance the 49ers have been, and how generally that's a good thing. But when you can, like, you have to be able to win when you don't have that balance on any given week. Yeah, you just have to have more arrows in your quiver. Like that can't yeah. you can't be. 
there's the there's all the like complimentary football talk with the Niners, right? Yeah. And while cu- there, 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 that this cuts a couple ways. One, that just means being good at football. You have good offense and good defense. That's that's the sport. That's the goal of the sport. I love, I love how being complimentary is some like novel idea. It's I also like, <laughs> I also love the idea of complimentary instead of complimentary. Like complimentary football. They're like, wow, nice catch. That was a really good catch that you just made. Like, <laughs> that, oh, sick, really... sick run design. Dang, they got us. I was, really I was good thinking, design. I was thinking more like, oh, that's some supple leather on that football. <laughs> <laughs> I hate that. I really hate that. But no, but but with the in the context of the 49ers, what complimentary football has meant over the last couple of seasons is that or over the last few seasons, Jesus, this has been this has been quite a run for them. Five years is kind of nuts, but complimentary football has been code for the offense isn't good enough to keep up in games. So the defense needs to get stops. Yeah, that's what and and that's not to like they've been really good. It's not to say they haven't been, but when it's it's never. Oh, they didn't play complimentary football today. Uh, the defense got a bunch of stops and the offense just couldn't score. Like that's that's never been the thing. It's always, oh, they didn't play complimentary football because the defense didn't get enough stops. Like, no, man, it it, yeah. it it has to it has to cut both ways. And so that's to say, I think Brock Purdy, and this is this is where I kind of land on on Purdy specifically. He's still only in year two. He's still only in his first full season as a starter. So maybe he gets them to that point where when the defense gives up thirty one, he can get them to thirty four. Or if they're down 10 in the fourth quarter, he can throw them back into it. And he could absolutely get there. Like, we've seen enough to be optimistic about that. But right now, that's not where they're at. And can they get there by playoff time? I I, I don't know. But I know for me, it's going to start with, they have to get some stops first, regardless. Because if you're giving yeah. up 25 to 30 points a game, you're just not going to win that much. I don't care who your quarterback is. Yeah. Um, we should note Trent Williams returned to practice today. Yes, um, big deal. We had talked in last night's pod that it might be a prolonged absence given the way Kyle Shanahan was talking about it. Mm-hmm. Um, still not entirely certain that he's going to play, but I, I would assume that him practicing on Thursday means he's trending towards playing. So mm-hmm. that's a big deal, right? If he's if he's close, Absolutely. like I, I don't think the Niners would really push it if he was, say, at like 70%, right? Like I think if mm-hmm. Trent Williams is practicing – He's probably like 80 to 90% there. I would, that's just pure speculation on my part. So that's yep. really positive because we've, we've talked at length about how important Trent Williams is. Devo Samuel looks like he's going to play too. Um, but to the point about the defense, I, I think this is a really, really interesting test for the Niners this week because of just how good Trevor Lawrence is at getting rid of the ball quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, PFF has him among all quarterbacks who have taken 50% of their team snaps. He gets rid of the ball in just under two and a half seconds. He's the fourth fastest in the NFL. Uh, for context, the guy who's third fastest at five hundredths of a second faster on average is Joe Burrow, <laughs> who just carved the 49ers up two weeks ago. Right. And and this has been the offensive MO of every team that the 49ers yeah. have faced. Get the ball yeah. out as quickly as possible. Yeah, so you know, like the 49ers add Chase Young, right? And the 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 whole idea behind the pass rush, build the defense from front to back, talked about playing together with the secondary forcing the quarterback to hold on to the ball longer. So the defense has more time to get home. Um, this is just gonna be a really interesting test case for that because I mean the Jaguars offensive line isn't good, and yet Trevor Lawrence is still able to play like at a pretty high level. Yeah. But like so He's many quarterbacks like when you do pressure him and he's so rarely pressured mm-hmm. um he's pressured at 29% of his dropbacks which is like third yeah third fewest in the league or third mm-hmm. yeah third fewest in the league by percentage um but when he is under pressure he's completing 47% of his passes down from 74% when he's kept clean mm-hmm. right and his adjusted his adjusted completion percentage, which is basically taking out all the variables, like does he make an accurate throw or not, is eighty one point nine percent when he's kept clean under pressure. It's down to fifty eight point eight, right? So like, Jeez. 
and the pressure again is for, for the 49ers defense has to be twofold. It has to be the secondary playing better uh, and forcing him to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. And it has to be the pass rush getting home, which I think the pass rush would get home um, just based purely on talent because the 49ers defensive front is so much more talented than the Jaguars offensive front. Mm-hmm. But that all comes back to Steve Wilkes. And is this, is this thing of him moving from the booth to the sideline going to have any tangible impact? And, you know, he's, he spoke to reporters today. He, he sort of downplayed the whole idea in, in it being a big deal or not. And basically just said it's about being able to communicate more in real time. Yeah. Right, like he he wants to talk to the players face to face in real time, and he did confirm, which is something you and I weren't sure about. Um, there is a phone a phone on the sideline still. Oh, good. They they still have a hard a hard line phone. Um, <laughs> it only dials back to 1997 though. <laughs> um, and also his assistants have been uh, occasionally giving headsets to players to use to to converse with them occasionally so there's there's that which which was a little bit in up up in the air that sounds awful i'm a person who hates talking on the phone if the only way i could communicate with my boss was to throw a headset on and in the midst of a football game having to converse with that person that sounds awful yeah potentially yeah we i I don't want to i don't want to i don't want to crack open the whole steve wilkes sideline discussion again the defense has to play better that's that's yeah they have to play better and i think wilkes has to be better i think the players have to be better um the communication clearly had to be better like that to me like it's telling the fact that they did this indicates that the communication channels needed adjustment Mm -hmm. right like it it was just an admission that yeah okay this we had this is half something we have to fix Right. They, the coaching staff sat down and said, what are the issues? How do we fix it? And that was, they didn't just do this to go, Hey, let's shake it up. Right. Let's jazz it up a little. Right. There's, there's obviously an intended solution with this. So we're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, so it, it'll be interesting. Like the Jaguars are really good, man. They're thirteen I, and four in their last seventeen games. Yeah, they've won five in a row. I so the the blowout loss at home to the Texans looked really bad early in the year. Now it doesn't look so bad. But here's so here's the the second layer to the Trevor Lawrence getting rid of the ball quickly thing. The Niners have to tackle. Yes, they have missed so many tackles this year. Fred Warner according to PFF, is it a 14.5% missed tackle rate? Last year, 10.2. 2021, 9.2. 2020, 7.5. 2019, 15. And then his rookie year, 12.8. 
and that's just Fred Warner. This is this goes yeah. up. You could do this up and down the roster. I'm just picking their 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 best linebacker. Mm-hmm. So they if if Trevor Lawrence is going to do that, they have to get to the football and they have to tackle, and that's something that they've been really good at in past years, right? They're not giving up explosive plays because they want to put that shell over the offense and force them to to operate within this box, and then they were going to run and tackle, get you in second long, get you in third and long, and then get off the field, and they haven't done that. Teams have lived in second and third and short against them in part because they are missing a lot of tackles. So that's that's the other that's the other kind of aspect of this that can't go overlooked. Yeah, and I wonder what they're what they're going to do with Evan Ingram, right? Like mm. Ingram is a tight end who ostensibly plays receiver, right? But he's their their most targeted pass catcher. Um, I mean, he's his the, the targets between Ingram, Kirk, and Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley are, are all pretty similar, mm-hmm. but like, do you feel comfortable playing a slot corner against Evan Ingram? Who's listed at six, three and 240 pounds. Like, do you feel great about Isaiah Oliver playing there? You probably would feel pretty good about Fred Warner covering him, but if Fred Warner's covering him, what does that do to your run defense? Right. Mm-hmm. The 49ers run defense has been, has been an issue. So um, I, I do think the Jaguars pose like some pretty substantial questions. Mm-hmm. Um, given the way the 49ers defense has played the last few weeks. So um, I think it's just going to be like a really tough game. And it's kind of weird to be saying that about the Jaguars, but it, it definitely feels real in this moment. Yeah. I The Isaiah Oliver thing, it hangs me up a little bit because I think this is the exact type of matchup that they got him for. Remember at the beginning of the year when Steve Wilkes said that they were going to play matchup based slot corner? And if it was a shiftier, smaller slot receiver, then they'd play Diamador Lenore inside with Ambry Thomas outside. But then it turns out that Ambry Thomas is is not great. And so their best corners, their best three corners is just Traverius Ward and Diamador Lenore outside with Isaiah Oliver inside. I think this is a game where they would want him inside ju- just uh, regardless of what it looked like. So, I, I mean, this is why you brought him in. You have to... I think just line him up with, with Evan Ingram and let him go. Maybe bring Hufanga down. Maybe this is a Jair Brown game. That would be interesting. Yeah. That, this is, so this is, this is my, I, I did not, I think I wrote this. I don't think I brought this take to the pod, but if you're having a speed and enthusiasm, I don't want to say enthusiasm, but like a speed and, and tackling problem, why not get your fast safety? Who's good at tackling on the field and that maybe that's crazy, but you trade it up to draft this guy and then he's just going to play special teams for you in his rookie year. So Tayshawn Gibson can, can run around out there. Like, I don't know. I, I'm, this might just be grasping at straws and maybe he's just really bad schematically and, and would be a disaster, but it, why not? Why not? Why not give it a shot after I, the buy? I think, that was sort of an interesting wrinkle that Robert Saul and D'Amico Ryans would go to from time to time. Mm-hmm. Um, particularly Tavarius before Moore. Yeah, Tavarius Moore got hurt. Um, they would play three safeties on third down a lot. Um, and they would even move Jimmy Ward down to play man-to-man against somebody in the slot. Like the Super Bowl, the plan was on third down was basically have Jimmy Ward cover Travis Kelsey and mm-hmm. then bring Tavarius... Uh, Tavarius. Tavarius Moore... Man, the, the Niners went from Tarvarius Moore to Charvarius Ward, and it's just it went Jimmy from, Ward. It, it's, it's just it went from like, Tarvarius Moore and Jimmy Ward to Tarvarius Moore, Charvarius Ward, and Jimmy Ward to just Charvarius Ward. <laughs> Mooney Ward. Um, but anyway, like, I do think that's that's an interesting idea that I hadn't thought about because, like, three safeties does give you a whole lot of versatility. And if you do feel good about Jair Brown, um particularly like near the line of scrimmage right like it's he he was a guy if memory serves was was a little bit better towards the line of scrimmage than he was as like a a deep roaming safety right so i am interested in like if they switch up their third down packages um to see if they they would try jair brown particularly because evan ingram is kind of a unique matchup situation and and i'm also Mm. i'm also curious to see like the zone and man-to-man split. And if they if they mm. would consider running more zone when they do blitz. 
because it seems like they every time they blitz they're they're in man and they've been they, it feels like they've been hurt pretty substantially every like when they're blitzing and, yeah. and opposing quarterbacks know they're in man coverage yeah hmm X's yeah, and O's I, I talk. We're we're yeah, I, It's just I don't <laughs> I don't know enough about where they're at schematically. Like I'm not in the rooms. I don't that's the thing about trying to like break down all twenty two. Yeah. Is you don't know who blew an assignment and who didn't. Maybe I don't know. Maybe you know what the coverage maybe should look like, but maybe there's some kind of wrinkle they're throwing out. I, I don't know. So I think against against Jacksonville, I think they need to deploy a a game plan similar to the second half they had against the Rams, where it was just press coverage and blitz a lot and make Stafford get rid of it, but also make sure that nobody's open or that nobody's getting a clean release off the line. Like <laughs> make sure nobody's open. Yeah, that's the yep, that's the sport. No, pressuring the quarterback no. and making sure no one's open is a is a uh, really not to step on a <laughs> not to step on a later segment, but those are two of my keys to the game. <laughs> no, but but no, just making sure that a receiver can't get a clean release where quarterback under pressure can just dump it off to this underneath route. Remember his Puka Nakua yeah. in that first half it was just over and over and over again. Well, they made that adjustment in the second half. I think that's the kind of thing they need to do because they know that Lawrence regardless of what the Niners pass rush looks like is going to be trying to get rid of the ball within that, you know, two second window. Yeah. I'm just like, I'm pretty impressed with the fact that Trevor Lawrence can play behind such a bad offensive line and like still be pretty productive and good at getting the ball out quickly. Like I think that speaks to Doug Peterson's offense. Mm -hmm. Um, I think their their weapons are probably a little bit better than maybe they would seem on paper. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's not like an amazing offense, but you know this team this team is good. Like they're thirteen and four in their last their last seventeen games. Like they are they are a legitimate team that's going to be tough to win, tough to beat on their on their home field. Yeah. Um, also coming off their bye, by the way. Yeah. So at just least a like, brutal rest advantage thing. Yeah. We had a question um, in our chat. Was this Luter and Luter and Wolfpack? I would be stunned if either of those guys. Play. I mean, they, um, they might. So be I healthy. think, I think Womack probably gets back on the roster somewhere. Yeah, play um, special teams. I would be floored if Darrell Luter takes a snap for the 49ers this year. He didn't even play. He didn't even get training camp. So he would go from OTAs in late June to not playing any football. To working in this three week practice window and then getting on the field? No, I don't think there's a chance of that. I would think it's likely that they use this as sort of a redshirt year for him. Yeah, I think him um, and Robert Beal. Yeah. But Unless, barring injury, I mean they've they've had some random like street free agents play special teams. Yeah, um, so so unless they go out in these three weeks of practice and just dominate and just look like one of their best pass rushers or one of the best corners, then maybe that changes the calculus a little bit. But my guess is they'll probably struggle some because it's their first time in the NFL and it's their first real practice. Yeah. So. But Sam Womack, I would imagine is, is back if not Sunday soon to just play special teams and provide a little depth. And yeah, give them a better, because if, if Isaiah Oliver really is the problem in the slot, like if if he's just not doing a good enough job in coverage and that's what's killing the 49ers, Samuel Womack won the starting nickel job out of camp as a rookie. Like he's capable of playing there. So that might that might legitimately be something that that they look at if and when he comes back. So yes, Samuel Womack, no Darrell Luter. And no to Robert Beal as well. Yeah, I would agree. So I think the Niners are in a really interesting stretch. Because they come off the bye, they play at Jacksonville, then they return to play the Buccaneers at home the following right. Sunday. Then it's at Seattle on Thanksgiving, and then at Philadelphia. They have three of their next four games are on the road. Um, and all three of their road games are against pretty good to elite teams, um, yes. depending on how you feel about Jacksonville. But Seattle's pretty good. and the Jacksonville's better than Seattle. 
Yes, Jacksonville's better than Seattle. Jacksonville's like half Jacksonville, the one seed in the AFC. Yes, Jacksonville might. Yes, correct. They are just very <laughs> under the radar. Awesome. Yeah. Um. So like, this is a this is a big game for the Niners on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you like, don't. I don't, you I don't think it can be understated how big. Like, as far as November twelfth games go, this is as big as a November twelfth game can be, in my opinion. No, I, I'm I'm totally with you because you can't. So the one seed's still the goal, right? Yeah. That's that's still kind of the the state of goal. So they're the number three seed right now. But when you look at their when you look at their schedule, and and Philly and Detroit, I don't know how many more losses they can take and still be the one seed. That's that's yeah. if, if you get to four, like you're, I mean, outside looking in and, and hoping for a lot of help, they're already at three and they're two games back of Philly and they've lost now that ability to, um, to catch Philly by, by just beating them in week 13 and holding that tiebreaker. So, I mean, they have to beat Jacksonville and then of course you have to take care of Tampa Bay. And, and then it's three games that you got to win if you want to wrap up the division in the one seed. So, um, what do you think? So the Eagles are eight and one. What do you think the like the floor is for number of wins to get the one seed? Because I think it's thirteen. Like, yeah, that's if, the if, absolute even absolute floor is thirteen. Yeah, for you to even have a chance at the one seed, you have to win a minimum of thirteen games. And even then, you're probably looking at tiebreaker scenarios. Yeah, which means you you only have room to lose one more game. I will say though, right? And I will say though, Philly is eight and one. They have at Kansas City, home Bills, home Niners, yeah. at Dallas, at Seattle coming up. Yeah. So they have a they have a tough schedule themselves, but also they've been really really good. Uh, who does Detroit play? Because Detroit's very quietly six and two. They're at the tra- oh my god, Detroit might not lose the rest of the year. You said that last time. <laughs> oh, did I? Yeah, they might not. But, okay, but the point stand like if I'm just gonna do a want, Detroit Lions schedule rant every podcast now. It's my new bit. <laughs> it's my new lane. I occupy this um, space. So for the Niners, what they they've played eight games. They could only lose one, so they would need to go six and one the rest of the way, conceivably, minimum. Um, and that's assuming that the Eagles go nine so what they would have to go four and four the rest of the way yeah and the Niners would have to beat Philly that would need to be yeah, right that would have to be one of them yeah so yeah. nine so for the for the Niners to finish 13 and four and get the and get the one seed mm-hmm. uh, they would need to they would need to finish by going eight and one mm-hmm. is that right is yeah that math right yeah eight and one and the Eagles would have to go and four and four and one of those wins would have to be over Philly, obviously. So the no, Philly, this is, Philly would no Philly is not four and four. They would have, to, have go to go four and four the rest five and of the three. Way. Oh right, okay, yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, five and three. It's tough. So, it's like the the hill is steep if the Niners want to get the one seed. Like yeah. I'm, I'm honestly at the point where I'm more. If you're the 49ers more concerned with the division and trying to hold off Seattle. They're tied right now. The Niners have a tie break because of interdivision record, but that's something that they can, if they beat Jacksonville, beat Tampa Bay and then beat Seattle in those, in those two games they play, they can basically wrap up the division because they'd have a minimum two game lead plus a tiebreaker. So that's kind of where I'm starting. And then, if they get through that Seattle Philly Seattle stretch with three wins, then you can kind of take a look back at the one seed and see where things are at. But it honestly feels so far away right now, given how badly they've played and then how tough their schedule is on top of all the stuff we just laid out of, of needing help to, to get to that one seed. It would have to be like the first five weeks of the season, but better. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Because the first five weeks of the season, with maybe the exception of the Cowboys, 
They didn't really play anyone great. Mm-hmm. In Pittsburgh, I don't know. I go back. Pittsburgh's and not good. Yeah, but yeah, not great. But like, beat the Rams, beat the Giants, beat the Cardinals. Not a super impressive stretch. Like they need to play at the level they did, if not better, against just better competition. Like their their second half of the schedule, particularly this five game stretch they're on right now if you include the second seahawks game Mm -hmm. is really going to define their season i think because if they run through it and they go four and one over these Mm -hmm. five games and you're like all right one seed is is in play because that probably includes when you go four and one you're you're winning two out of three at least against seattle and philly in those three games um on top mm-hmm. of beating Jacksonville and Tampa Bay on the way, right? Right. So, like, it's going to be tough. But this is this is the start. This is a huge game for them, and then it's the start of ultimately their last stand to get the one seed. Um, and I'm not mm-hmm. counting them out. Like, it wouldn't be crazy to me. Like, again, we talked about this team early in the season, the way they were playing in like the same terms, or at least I was, like the 1994 team, right? Like, arguably the most talented. 49ers team of our lifetimes Mm -hmm. at least like when i was like a cognizant human being who could form thoughts like so them going on a run is not completely inconceivable but it does Mm -hmm. sort of feel inconceivable by the way they've played the last three weeks yeah no exactly exactly there's a lot of variance in terms of like what can happen yeah that's why that's why sunday's that's why sunday's so important to me yeah because if they go if they go beat Jacksonville, I don't think they I don't think they're gonna smoke Jacksonville. But if they beat them thirty one to to twenty one and just kind of control the game and and it, it's just a pretty convincing win, then you feel very good about Tampa Bay, Seattle. You feel good about them matching up with Philly again. But if they go lose thirty one to fourteen, now you're looking at like are they gonna make the playoffs? Like it's that's that's kind of where it's at for me. The one thing with the NFL expanding the playoffs, I do think it sucks that only one team gets to buy. Yeah, I, I thought it was. I, I like. I thought the playoff format was more or less perfect when you had six teams um, in the playoffs with the top two seeds getting buys. Because I just don't like having one team get the one seed. It's just such a huge advantage, and it makes it. I don't like it. It just feels so tough for a four, five, six seed to to really do anything mm-hmm. in the playoffs when there's only one team getting a bye. Like to be a two seed, I mean, really, it used to be just be one of the top two seeds. That's really all that mattered mm-hmm. because you'd rather have the bye than really worry about home field in the NFC title game because yeah. road teams win in conference championship games all the time. Well, the Niners would be in the mix still if they made a kick and didn't have three turnovers in Minnesota. Yes. So, made a kick in Cleveland, I should say. And also Minnesota. And didn't have three turnovers. Can we talk more about the Lions schedule? I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> Breakdown. <laughs> Just do a segment like... How is our look, weekly look just at the turn Lions into, <laughs> Turn into Detroit, just Detroit Sports Talk Radio. How many games are they going to be favored in? All of them. They're going to be favored in all of them. At Los Angeles, there's going to be more Lions fans there. That's not a home game for the Chargers. Oh, man. Have you, have you been to Detroit? <laughs> no. I've missed out on that. <laughs> um, yeah, you have. It's not, it's not the most... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? It was like one of the more quiet downtown made quote unquote major cities I've ever been in. I know mm. they've like hit hard times. Um, sure. And all that, but basketball arena is nice. I hear good. Really good. Shout out. Really good. Uh, little Caesars arena is really good. Also best, a fan of also, also love what they're doing with their basketball team. The Pistons. Mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham, Jalen Duran. That's it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I said Stewart's the there. Picks? Yeah, I I did a six player entry, and is I'm really you, fired what, up about it. 
can you make it a power play so we can see what the multiplier is? Uh, so when you go six players, you can only do flex. Oh, okay. That's so fair. when so when you do so when you do six players, so my my flex play, if you get six out of six correct, it pays twenty five times your your entry. If you get five out of six, it plays twice your entry. If 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 uh, you get four out of six, it pays point four times. So you just get a, a little bit of money back. Got it. So I went with Brandon Ayuk more than four and a half receptions. Okay, like it. Yep. I went Christian McCaffrey more than sixty six and a half rushing yards, especially if Trent Williams plays. I feel very good about that. But I think that Kyle Shanahan. The the Ayuk and, and McCaffrey things kind of tie together. I think Kyle Shanahan getting a bye week to dissect the Jags defense and dissect the Niners running game, do some self-scouting, and figure out exactly what's wrong. Whether Trent Williams comes back or not, I think they're going to have a couple of wrinkles where we see a couple of explosive runs from Christian McCaffrey where he gets up over 100 yards. So I think the the more than 66.5 is a, is a good number that I like. Debo Samuel going to be back in action. I like him more than 10 and a half rushing yards because again, rushing game run game wrinkles, I think are going to involve Debo Samuel. So give me Debo Samuel more than 10 and a half rushing yards. Juwan Jennings receiving yards is set at 17 and a half. I was literally just writing that down. I'm going less. Oh yeah. I'm going, I'm going less than 17 and a half receiving yards for, for third and Juwan. I think this is going to be a game where the 49ers know they have to win, so they're going to lean on their A players. It's going to be Ayuk. It's going to be Debo Samuel. It's going to be George Kittle. More on him later. It's going to be Christian McCaffrey. So I don't think Jawan Jennings is going to get super involved in Sunday's game plan. George Kittle, I've got more than three and a half receptions. Again, I think the Niners are going to lean on their dudes in this game. And then Trevor Lawrence, I have more than 23 completions. More than 23 completions for Trevor Lawrence. For all the things... We just laid out. I think he's going to get rid of the ball quick. I think they're going to throw it a lot. And I think he's going to complete a ton of passes. Okay. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars are in the right about the bottom third, as I eyeball this, uh, in terms of tight end output against. So Mm -hmm. I'm going to go with George Kittle more than 39 and a half receiving yards. Dig it. Um, just because I, sometimes, like, sometimes I think getting all your weapons back doesn't necessarily mean that those guys, like, there's going to be a lot of attention on Brandon Ayuk and a lot of attention on Debo Samuel. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just have a feeling that 39 and a half is going to be an achievable number for George Kittle. Um, along that same line of thinking, I'm going to go with uh, more than 17 and a half. For Juwan Jennings, that's basically two Juwan Jennings third down conversions, <laughs> um, right? Third and two on. <laughs> so seventeen funny. and a half feels like a pretty achievable number. Um, let me let me look at the Jags numbers here. Let me let me see if I can. Hmm, Calvin Ridley. Uh, I'm gonna go Calvin Ridley over four and a half. Sorry, more than four and a half receptions. Okay. Um, for for Calvin Ridley, I just think Trevor Lawrence gets rid of the ball so quickly. He's going to be the number one option so often, and and the the Jaguars are good at getting their guys the ball. Yep. So I'm going to go uh, more than four and a half receptions for Calvin. That Ridley. has big. This this has big Calvin Ridley like eleven for a buck thirty energy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see, man. But, you know, maybe Calvin really gets shut out because Steve Wilkes is on the sideline. <laughs> Calvin really lines up. He looks over. He's like, son of a... <laughs> Meanwhile, Steve Wilkes is down there like, look at all the people. <laughs> it's so loud. Yeah, There are a lot of... Uh... Oh, they put Trevor Lawrence at .5 interceptions. That's... Gutsy. It feels like if he throws one, he's going to throw it to Dre Greenlaw. That's my prediction. If he throws a pick. Yeah, he has he has four interceptions in eight games. So yeah, he's, dude, Trevor Lawrence is really good. He's good. 
he's the second best quarterback the Niners have played this year. Behind Joe Burrow? Yeah. <laughs> no, behind Daniel Jones. Yeah, no, he's, he's the second you best might quarterback. Be, you might be, but like a lot. That's, that's not even a hot take. Jesus. Uh, Kenny Pickett. The only other options are Kirk Cousins and Dak Prescott. Sam Bradford. Sorry, Sam Bradford? Matt, Matt Stafford. I confuse Sam. Like, I say the name when I'm thinking of the guy with Matt Stafford and Sam Bradford more than anybody else, like in sports, really. But Matt Matt Stafford is Sam Bradford with a little better injury luck. I mean, not the worst take. I think Stafford has a lot more arm talent than Bradford ever did. There's a prominent Bay Area sports talk radio host slash 49ers play-by-play guy who... (laughs) (laughs) Not going to name names. who, Who said that Sam Bradford was the best thrower of the football he's ever seen. Huh. So. That's interesting. Also, the um, the franchise quarterback who most looked like a punter in NFL history. <laughs> but enough about Brock Purdy. No. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> no, Brock's not built like a punter. Sam Bradford had big punter energy, dude. He had, like, when he had, like, the sort of baggy sleeves. Yes. And the helmet that was, like, a little too big. Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the head that was too small. I don't know. All right. Yeah. I'm done Anything with this else? podcast. Nope. Done with it? I'm done talking on this podcast. Have prize you. picks. You can join us in prize picks. It's daily fantasy sports. It is like my new favorite thing. They ha- they now have cross sport combos where you can get like, for example, Steph Curry made threes plus Travis Kelsey receptions. And the number might be like 10 and a half. And you pick more or less than. And that's super fun because I love doing cross-sport stuff. I've already built a bunch of cross-sport prize picks where I'll have like Steph Curry's points and Justin Herbert passing yards and just create an entry like that. It's super fun. Anyways, uh, prizepicks.com slash candlestick is the website. Use promo code candlestick for a first deposit match up to $100. That is prizepicks.com slash candlestick. Promo code candlestick. For a first deposit match up to $100. If you join, let us know. Send us screenshots of your entries. If you send me a good entry, I'll ride with it. I'll punch it in. I'll rock with you. If it's bad, I'll fade it. Let's go. Prize picks. Daily Fantasy Sports made easy. Chiefs are on a buy this week, so we can't do any Travis Kelsey props. Unless they start incorporating maybe some like friendship bracelets caught. Pop stars received. Yeah, totally. I don't know. Let's get out here. Teardrops on his guitar. Mm, there you go. That's a throwback. Nice reference. All right. See you, everybody. Thanks, man. Bye.